He is more than a story. He is more than a comic book superhero. He is more than a symbol of hope. He represents our greatest aspirations. He is everything we think we can be. And yet, even with all the strength and all the power in all of the world, he may not be able to meet his greatest challenges and redeem his family's legacy. For he is the son of El. Prologue When Krypton Returns You would think that being the strongest person in the world would make life easier. That having what seems like infinite power would solve any problem. And that absolute power would corrupt absolutely. But not for Superman. When Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster first conceived the idea, they may not have realized how far their champion would go. But they put no limits on him. And if anything... This has been one of Superman's greatest challenges, being so strong and so kind that some would dare call him boring. Yet when we consider his family's legacy and his place in mythology, we can see that his struggles are humanity's struggles. Superman's story begins in ancient Sumer. His story starts with the oldest written creation myth of all. Yet the Sumerians could not have known that the place their gods had come from would one day be known to us as the planet Krypton and that Krypton is not orbiting some distant red star in another galaxy. Krypton is in our own galaxy and orbits our own sun. It is a massive planet inhabited by interdimensional beings. These beings, made of energy, are not bound by the limits of reality that you and I know, and easily withstand conditions that we would not dare consider possible. Krypton's orbit around the sun takes thousands of Earth's years to complete. Yet it was while this orbital path brought Krypton close to the sun that an especially powerful Kryptonian, by the name of An-El, first took interest in a small, budding planet, third closest to the Sun. Having studied under his father, An-El had achieved a certain level of mastery in physics. In his family, the creation of life was an art form, and this barren planet was an opportunity for An-El to make a hobby for himself, creating life and tearing it down. With each orbit of Krypton, as An-El visited his little planet, he would make small adjustments here and there. Sometimes the changes were drastic, and not all of them were caused by him. But each time the little planet took damage, An-El would take a new direction with his creations, dramatically changing dinosaurs through the ages. Not long after An-El had been working primarily with mammals, his father, the highest ruler of Krypton, stepped down from his role as king and passed it to An-El. In turn, An-El naturally saw fit to pass his hobby planet, Earth to his two sons, but deciding which son would be in charge was not so simple. An-El's eldest son, Enki, had become a master creator like his father. But Enki's mother, Namu, was not the queen. He was born out of wedlock, and though he was talented, the politics of his parentage had already decided his fate. Enki did not receive his father's name, and eventually would go on to live in his younger brother's shadow. An-El's queen, Kyra, birthed his second son, Enlil. And though Enlil had received his father's name, he seemed to have none of his father's talent for creation. Enlil only took interest in powers of destruction, thunderbolts and lightning, earthquakes and volcanoes. 
And so, with great deliberation, Anel decided Enki would be given all of the waters of Earth, including all of the life that the water flowed through. And to Enlil he would give the sky and everything underneath it. This way, Anel could gift the little planet to his youngest son and heir, while still having his talented elder son do the necessary work needed to keep order. With a simple ceremony and decree, the two brothers inherited the small and vibrant Earth. So close to the sun, Earth became the summer home to the Kryptonians. But vacations on their new wild world soon became tiresome. Brother, don't you think we'd be better off with servants? Enlil suggested one lazy afternoon. Made just to take care of us when we're on this rustic little planet. Before Enki could recommend otherwise, Enlil continued. They shouldn't just perform our bidding. They should amuse us as well. Don't you think? Will you make them to amuse us? Enki knew the difference between when his brother was asking for something and when he was being told what to do. You want people for pets. How shallow must you be to come up with such petty desires? Enlil shot his brother a cross look. Do not test my patience. To avoid his brother's wrath, he chose to do as he was ordered, creating subservient slaves for the Kryptonian summering on Earth. Yet the resulting creations were a kind of people, similar to their makers, but slow and stupid. This frustrated Enlil to no end. He would become furious with their clumsy incompetence. At times, he would be so infuriated he would wipe out entire civilizations of these proto-humans and demand his older brother make them again. To satisfy Enlil, Enki would recreate these servant people, making a few adjustments here and there, but he never took the matter too seriously. Many Kryptonian years passed in this way until Enlil could no longer contain his dissatisfaction. Enki's pathetic creations were shown no mercy. In a fury and rage of thunder and magma, he wiped out nearly every one of the people his brother had made and demanded Enki make them again, but this time properly. They had to stop being so horribly flawed. And Enki agreed. They were flawed. He intentionally made them that way, always assuming that making them imperfect was a part of the objective. He figured that if they were to be subservient, they should be the lessers of the Kryptonians. Before then, Enki had never considered what potential his creations could have. He resolved himself. In creating these new people, he would do as their father had done when he first sparked life on Earth. To ensure these new beings could contain their mortal forms, Enki summoned the impish fairy king, whose realm rules over the operation of physics. Next, to create a pocket dimension giving order to human consciousness, Enki summoned the spirit Nabu. Unlike the previous creations he had made for his brother, the fate of these people must be their own, and one of Nabu's pocket dimensions would ensure it. Finally, he called to Amazonia, a dimension made purely of life and fertility. He beckoned for the Amazonians to join him in this creation. From that realm, a goddess was sent. Ninma, the woman of the mountain, granted Enki's request. By mixing their blood with her clay, they created the first humans. These new beings were something uniquely special. The Kryptonians all agreed the humans were perfect. They were nearly identical to their makers, only they didn't know it. Their innocence was endearing. The humans looked up to the Kryptonians as though they were gods, and their so-called gods looked down on them with an adoring fascination, somewhere between possessions and pets. Enlil especially took interest in these new humans his brother created. 
They were luscious playthings, and he had his way with them as he pleased, seducing his favorite humans over the many eons they visited Earth. Enlil sired many sons and daughters with these humans. His children would go on to be remembered as legends, like Gilgamesh, Samson, and Hercules. Yet even compared to Enlil's lust, it was Enki who most fell in love with the humans, a love that was more than mutual. The humans adored Enki. He was their creator, and they knew it. The love shared between Enki and the humans slowly gnawed away at Enlil's pride. He thought the people should love and worship him. He was their rightful ruler, not his brother. Enlil would declare insecure proclamations. Worship no other god before me! And yet the people were devoted to Enki. So Enlil found ways to punish them. When he discovered some of them had entered the Divine Gardens and eaten the fruit from there, he killed several and banned the rest from ever entering again. Still, no matter how angry Enlil became, he curbed his rage, only killing these new humans in smaller numbers than he had Enki's previous creations. At most, he'd smite only a city at a time. Enlil did not want the humans dead. He just wanted them to love him more than anyone else. Yet those times he had lashed out at them had already taken their toll. The humans were afraid of Enlil. He was not a loving god. Even when Krypton was away for thousands of years, the humans remembered what Enlil was like. Ages would pass on Earth as the humans awaited the return of Krypton. Over the course of millennia, the humans who had been left in charge by the Kryptonians would do all they could to keep the world in order, waiting for Enki, their beloved maker to return, like a candle waiting in the night. Yet with him would return their wrathful god Enlil. The humans learned a fine balance between living under the law of their ruler and the love of their maker. The jealousy, greed, and hatred that consumed Enlil came to a head the last time Krypton was so close to Earth. This was the end of Krypton's time near our planet, just before its orbit would take it to the furthest reaches of the solar system. Each year as they left, the Kryptonian nobility held an elaborate pageant to commemorate their own departure from Earth. Standing atop a great pyramidal structure, they took turns stepping onto its peak and flying into the heavens, back to Krypton. After everyone else in the pageant had flown off, Enki and Enlil were the last two Kryptonians on Earth. For Enki, leaving like this was a melancholy event. Only minutes remained before he wouldn't see the humans again for another Kryptonian year. He paused for a moment at the top of the pyramid's peak, and instead of taking off into the sky, as everyone else had done, he turned in a circle to survey the throngs of people gathering at the pyramid's base. He was going to miss them dearly. Yet this was something Enlil had never seen his brother do. It was similar to what he, Enlil, had always done each year, when he was the last to leave. But to see his brother have this moment while he, the king, stood literally beneath him was something intolerable. This would be the last moment the humans would see them for many human generations. This would be their last impression of their gods for a long while. How dare you! Oh, what is it this time, brother? Enki lazily asked. You're trying to usurp me! I challenge you to a duel! Enki thought of this as typical of his brother. This was no request. Enlil wanted to humiliate him in front of the humans. Nothing will satisfy you. Do you want me to make them again for you? Should I return to making them stupid so that they will love you? At this remark, Enlil's eyes lit up fiery red. Does one need to be stupid to love me? 
I don't know. Do they? Do not test me! Enki was in no mood for his brother's tantrum. All of the human families he endeared will have aged thousands of years before they return. Oh, just go ahead and destroy all the humans already, so I can make them all again to tailor fit your frail sense of self-worth. He did not expect Enlil to act on this dare. There wasn't enough time for him to actually do it. But Enlil's eyes burned hotter. Take that back! Take what back? My offer to make them gullible twits? Fine. I will leave them as they are. Perfect. And not impressed with your thin veneer. This was the final insult Enlil would take. A fiery red beam of energy shot from his eyes, blasting Enki skyward. Enlil had to act while they were on Earth, still close to the sun where he could harness its power. He had an advantage here that his brother did not, as long as he could keep him in the sky. Enki lacked the power to defeat him, but Enki's trident, entwined in the double helix of two serpents, was more than just a symbol of life. It protected him from Enlil's blast, and he managed to catch himself mid-air. Before he could fully recover, Enlil was flying upward to meet him. There was no reasoning with his brother this time. Their battle ensued in the sky, stretching around the world as they hurled devastating blasts of pure energy at one another. But without the sea, Enki was outmatched, and Enlil, unrelenting in his effort to keep them in the air, became lost in his own rage. He had forgotten his original objective of dominating Enki in front of the humans. Enki's taunting had pushed him too far. Before Enlil knew what he had done, he unleashed the power of a small sun on his brother. When it dissipated, there was nothing left of Enki. Enlil had killed him. The humans had witnessed it all. He hovered in the air above them for a moment, radiating with light, his red cape billowing, his chest held in proud defiance, emblazoned with his family crest, an S-shaped serpent inside of a shield. He looked down on humanity one last time, his face still contorted in rage before he proclaimed in a booming voice heard around the world, I will return. Expect me. And just like that, he flew out of sight and back to Krypton, not to return for another eon. The humans said to themselves, Now that Enki is gone, when Krypton returns, we're next. It was always at that moment that Clark would wake up from his dream. It was the only dream he could actually remember. He had dreamt it so many times he had no choice but to remember it. Some days he would prefer not to. Life was stressful enough trying not to break everything he touched. He wondered how long he could get away with just laying in bed. Thank you for listening. I'm Isaac Bluefoot. Son of L is written and independently produced by myself. I really appreciate you listening and sticking around for the credits. So many creators have contributed to this show. I'm grateful to all of them. This story was inspired by the Superman and DC comics and characters originally created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Manuscript editing assistance by Trisha Reel. Music in this episode was made by Royal Jelly, BioUnit, Vortex, Kai Engel, and Jody Pitkanen. See the episode notes for details. For more of my work, get yourself a deck of Omen Quest cards at omenquestcards.com. Carry them with you and play wherever the weather permits. And be sure to listen to the next episode. Chapter 1. A Kid in Smallville. <laughs>